Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. O-G. Make some noise! How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. New York City's elite high schools are being screwed up big time because Dumbo de Blasio has got it all ass backwards. Plus, suicide and the heartbreak it leaves behind. And a few sport notes. So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right. Like I said... Dumbo de Blasio, I mean, this idea that he wants to do away, and you've all heard about it, that he wants to do away with the test that gets you into these elite high schools is just a bad idea. I think it's a prejudicial idea, and the idea really, really, for lack of a better term, pisses me off. I am proud to say I am a proud alum of Brooklyn Technical High School, okay? Graduating class of 1969. And let me say this, folks. I am more proud of my diploma from Brooklyn Tech than I am from my college diploma. And that's not to to disparage my college diploma, but Brooklyn Tech along with places like Stuyvesant, along with places like Bronx High School of Science, those are very, very, very special schools. And de Blasio wants to do away with the test because there are not enough black and Hispanic students in those schools. Currently, the way the configuration is, it's 24% white, 6% Hispanic, 4% black, and 62% Asian. Okay? That's what that is. He wants, what, what, what Dumbo de Blasio wants to do is take, you have 600 middle schools in New York City. He wants to take the top 7% from each school those kids can go in. Now, l- l- let me tell you something about why just that example is ass backwards. Because some schools, some schools, the kids are not even at their 
grade level in math and English. So the best, the top 7% in one school, I don't mean to, to knock those kids, but they might not have the goods to get in. So now you're going to force them in or, or put them in a place where, quite frankly, they'll be in over their heads. But if you went, and there was an interesting thing, uh, piece in a paper, uh, I think it was the Post last week or maybe maybe it was Sunday, one of those days, where it had, um, you, you heard what I just said, 62% Asian. Well, if de Blasio has his way under his plan, it would go to 30% Asian from 24% white to 15% white, Latino from 6%, Hispanic uh, to 27%, and black from 4% to 19%. Let me tell you again why this really pisses me off. Because the test is the test, okay? It makes everybody equal. Either you, What is it? Either you're in or you're out. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You can't buy your way in. Mommy and daddy can't buy your way in. They can't, they can't call on a favor to get you in. It doesn't work that way. And I will never forget, when I went to Brooklyn Tech, so I entered it, I guess, I graduated in 69, so what, what 66, 66, 67, yeah. Let me tell you something. The thing that I got, the minute I walked into that school on the first day, I looked to my left, I looked to my right, I looked in front of me, I looked behind me. You know what I saw? I saw white kids. I saw black kids. I saw brown kids. I saw Asian kids. I saw everybody. And you know what? I realized, and they realized, we all came from different neighborhoods and different communities, and we all had one thing in common. None of us came from families who, for lack of a better term, didn't have a pot to piss in. Okay? We were all from basically lower-income families. If you were middle-income, you were high on a hog. But we were all from lower income families. And I remember the pride, the pride that each and every one of us had being a part of that. And let me tell you something. It was hard, big time hard. I'm from the the projects in Sheepshead Bay. Sheepshead was my neighborhood high school. The sheepshead was nearby. Sheepshead was basically around the corner. So I chose to get my ass up every morning, take the Surf Avenue bus to get to the train station in Sheepshead Bay and either take the M or the D train at that time to go to DeKalb Avenue every freaking morning when I could have like just jumped out of bed and walked across the street. But I knew I was doing it for a special reason. And I knew all our families, each and every one of us, for for every community that we came from, each and every family had a special pride. And when I tell you it was hard, I mean, it was hard. 
you know, when my friends were out partying, chasing girls and doing all that good stuff, I'm sitting at my kitchen table because I didn't have my own room at my kitchen table till all hours of the night doing three and three and four hours of homework was commonplace. Sitting doing mechanical drawing and architectural design and this and that. It was, but it was, it was a sense of pride that we all had. And we all realized we came from the same place, which was basically nothing. We all had parents. I don't, my, my father let him rest in peace. I don't remember when, when he didn't have a minimum of two jobs and many times three to try and put money together. Okay. And the reason I'm saying this is because this moron um, chancellor, his education chancellor, Richard Carranza, had the balls to come out with this remark. I just don't buy into the narrative that any one ethnic group owns admission to these schools. Now, that is a direct shot at the Asian community. Now, these are lower-income people. I think something like 65% of them, those kids, uh, uh, qualify for free lunch. Their parents are there breaking their ass, making sure that they study. That's what they demand in that household. And you you have the balls to come out with some asinine remark like that. Why did they have ownership? Did they cheat their way to the ownership? No. Because they decided that this is what we want to do. And there's only one way to get it. By busting our collective asses. By studying hard. And aren't we all taught to do the very same? In any and everything we do? In any and everything we do. From the beginning of when we're born to our last day on this earth. Aren't we taught to do the very best we can do and reap the benefits of hard work? When you go get a job, you come out of college, you go get a job. You're encouraged to bust your ass. Because that's how you succeed. Unless you come from, you know, the right side of the tracks and, you know, you don't have to worry about it. But again, this school these schools, I'm saying this school because I'm talking about Brooklyn Tech. You get in, it's it's on one thing, the merit of how you do on that test. And that test has worked for a very, very, very long time. It was working way before I got in, and it's working today. It's a wonderful place, just as Stuyvesant is and, and, and Bronx Science and the other schools. But I am telling you what the Blasio and Carranza are doing. Now, Carranza is newer on the scene. 
But what what they're doing is covering up the failures of their educational system. They want they want all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore because we don't have enough blacks and Hispanics in the system of these elite schools. So it's no good. No, they're covering up their failures to be able to get these kids into these schools. And the proper way to get these kids into these schools are making sure that they're properly prepared. Properly prepared. There was a wonderful, the minute this, the shit hit the fan on this, there was a wonderful, um, last week, a wonderful editorial in the Daily News. Okay, by a young lady uh, by the name of Ange Lewis. Okay. She goes to Brooklyn Tech. She's Haitian. From Canarsie, Brooklyn. Okay. And she knows. She was the one who said. Yeah, it would be great if she had more uh, interaction with students from around the city, you know, more African-American and Latino students. But she also knows that, and she said this, I'm quoting, but I also know that every one of my classmates of whatever race or ethnicity earn his or her way in through the test. And I know that students from every community have the potential to succeed on that test and in the schools if given the tools to do so. So why did this young lady from Haiti, why did she have the tools to do so? Well, we'll get a load of this because she explained it. Not too many youngsters, she explained, She didn't know about these schools. She was attending Lenox Academy Middle School in Canarsie. She did not know about these elite schools. So her and a few friends were not preparing for these schools. Why did she find out about this school? Because there was a teacher, to that wonderful math teacher's credit, who saw her potential, saw her high grades and her ability to get some high grades, and hooked her up with uh, something, what what is called the STEM, S-T-M, Pipeline Program, which is operated by the Brooklyn Tech Alumni Foundation starting in the sixth grade. Okay? Okay. So because this teacher took the time to get in, to help her get in, and a few other students, they found out about it. Now this Ann's Lewis, she's now finishing her junior year. She's majoring in engineering and preparing for her senior year, Okay where her current plan is to major in electrical engineering and maybe, she says, some marketing or business. 
All right? Tell me what... Did she do it the right way? You're damn right she did it the right way. And she also had people to guide her. Why don't all those kids in those middle schools have the same guidance? How come she didn't know about any of these specialized schools? Were people sleeping at the wheel? Sounds to me like they were. So to me... Instead of pointing fingers at something's wrong with the test, they ought to pull the thumbs out of their asses and do something about it. Do something about the lack of proper preparedness to get these kids ready. It's bullshit. And even if you want, fortunately... You know, it looked like they were going to try and push it through, but they weren't getting it through uh, this year. So it's going to have to be tabled, I think, till, at least till next June. But think about what de Blasio has done with this asinine idea and the moron comment from Richard Carranza that no ethnic group should have ownership. Well, it's not like they bought their ownership. They earned it. Through hard work, they earned it fair and square. And what he is doing, what this stupid-ass idea is doing, it's going to create a rift and divisiveness between poor communities. Isn't there enough divisiveness going on in our country right now? So let's divide the lower income community. Let them fight against each other. This is as racist as racist can be, as far as I'm concerned. What would it be like if somebody said, whoa, 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 whoa. if I came on here today and talk and say, hold on a second. Suppose it was the reverse way. Wait just a minute here. Wait just a minute. We got too many blacks and Hispanics that are dominating the, the school here. Why is that? You th- you think there would be an uproar? You think you, you you know you come out with a comment like that? You think you'd have a whole lot of people picketing? I guarantee you you would. It, it's just a bad bad message. I mean, you brought up. To go ahead and bust your ass. To work hard. And reap the benefits for your hard work. And then the other thing de Blasio um, neglects to point out. That there's something like. I read it someplace. Something like at least 1,500 Minority and immigrant kids from from you know some of the city's really poor poor neighborhoods. They're currently enrolled in in like you know high polite private and boarding schools. 
and and many of them are headed for you know scholarships to really top shelf universities. Why? Because these kids go to chartered school charter schools, you know, and and a bunch of nonprofit organizations look look through the five boroughs to find these kids. The brightest kids, kids of color. And then they put them through like tough, rigorous programs during the summer. And they excel. All right? So that system is working. Mayor Dumbo. Obviously, there's ability there. But you're not supplying the ability to the 600 middle schools, are you? Are you? When when you're coming out with this asinine remark, Carranza, that nobody should have ownership, you don't bring this crap up, do you? I was reading about this other girl, um, another Haitian immigrant. All right? She didn't go to the public middle schools. She went to one of these private schools. She ended up going to, um, I think, think it was some academy, private boarding school in New Hampshire. Where is she, where is she headed to uh, this coming uh, fall? Yale. Haitian kid. Just like the kid I'm telling you about from Brooklyn Tech. All right? Then there was another kid from the Bronx. Kid's name is Aaron. Bronx Charter School for Excellence. He's going to skid. He, he, he went to a boarding school, I think it was Concord in Massachusetts. He's going to Skidmore. Obviously, obviously, these kids have the goods. But the New York City public school system is failing them. So let's come out with racist remarks and a racist, dumbass idea. And let's divide the communities. Because that's just what de Blasio has done. I mean, I'm telling you, when, when I read Carranza's remark, it, it, I'm, I keep reading it over and over again. I just don't buy into the narrative that any one ethnic group owns admission to these schools. I mean, the balls on you to come out with a remark like that. How idiotic, callous, thoughtless can you be? And, and believe me, folks, if you can, you, if you can sense I'm pissed off, you're damn right I am. I take a great sense of pride. That school, Brooklyn Tech, was everything to me. I, I know when I was going there, and for years after that, Brooklyn Tech would had put more kids 
And when I went, it is now, of course, co-ed. In fact, girls started coming about two years after I graduated. I think around 70 or 71. I went with something like 7,000 boys. Talk about competition. And none of us, when I tell you none of us had a pot to piss in, none of us did. Okay? It was competition. There was pressure. And we succeeded. And graduating, man, that was a great thing. Man, oh man, oh man, that was a great thing. And they want to do away with that. But what I was saying, at one point, Brooklyn Tech put more people in the military academies, being West Point, Annapolis, and Air Force, than any schools in the country. Now, you know, whether you like the military or not, those schools aren't walks in the park. Top shelf operations. What are you doing? What are you thinking about trying to screw around with this? And believe me, from what I've been reading and hearing and seeing, the kids from Science and Stuyvesant feel the same way. And, And let me tell you something else. If you speak to people at Brooklyn Tech... And, and the Stuyvesant's and the Bronx Sciences and the other elite schools, trust me, you will hear comments that, yeah, we'd like more diversity. We would like more diversity. But how are we going to get it? Why don't you pull your head out of your asses and think about it before you just come out with this stupid-ass idea? Look, look, just off the top of my head, okay, so we have, a, you know, we want, I want to try and, you know, get more black and Hispanic kids into the school. I get that. I'm, I'm for that. So don't misread this. I'm for that. But how do we do it? Number one, you got to train these kids. You got to prepare them. All these kids in the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade in, in the middle schools. Okay. You got to prepare them and you got to do it the proper way. And quite frankly, it starts before that. You can call it K through eight. But, okay, instead of doing away with the test, and I am not an educator. That is not my business. That is not my vocation. But before you do away with the test, how about we do this? You give people the test. All right? Give them the test. And then there's kind of a criteria... Well, how close were you? Maybe you take X amount of people who did not make it. You look at who they are. Do you let them take a retest again? Or do you sit down with a few of these people for an interview? Maybe make an interview part of the process? I get that. But you're going to do away with the main reason these schools have been elite for God knows how many years. I am proud to say that I host, I I was asked a couple of years ago, I host um, a Brooklyn Tech alumni gala each year. You got to see the alum 
alumni that come. And the money that they raise. And they're, believe me, trust me, folks, it ain't Lily White. Okay? It ain't Lily White. There's plenty of color in that alumni. And trust me when I say this, that color is just as proud as I am of Brooklyn Tech. And they feel the same way as I do. It's an enormous sense of pride. I'll give you another one about places like Brooklyn Tech. When I went to Brooklyn Tech, there was a basketball player there by the name of Charlie Davis. I I don't say this just off the top of my head, like just throwing it out there. Charlie Davis is one of the greatest high school basketball players ever to come out of New York City. All right? One of the greatest. He would end up going to Wake Forest. He was recruited by Billy Packer. You know Billy Packer, of course, of you know uh, college basketball on CBS for so many years when Packer was involved with Wake Forest. And Charlie was actually the first black, the first African-American player. He left Tech after 67 because he was two years ahead of me. He was the first first African-American player to be named the ACC Player of the Year. Now, this kid was a superstar, bona fide superstar. He went to Wake Forest, had his number retired. I think he was the, not, he might have been the first player to have his number retired at Wake Forest. He's, he's in some elite company, Tim Duncan, Chris Paul. But you know what? As great as he was, Charlie didn't graduate from Brooklyn Tech. You know why? He was struggling. He was struggling. Now, this was the cream of the crop athlete. He was struggling, though. And to graduate with a diploma, he'd have to leave. So he went down, um, down south to Lorenberg Institute, graduated, and went on to Brooklyn Tech. Uh, got, went on to Wake Forest. Why am I telling you this story? Because unlike other schools where you just mark something off, ah, well, let's, let's jack up his grade. I mean, he, he's Charlie. They didn't do that. That's what Brooklyn Tech is. Was and is. You can't buy your way. You got to earn your way. And to Charlie's credit, you know, he, after his college basketball career was over, had a cup of coffee in the NBA, might have played overseas. Years later, he went back, finished up and got his college degree. And I think became an educator and a coach himself. But my point being, he was the star of the show, not just a tech in the city. 
didn't cut the mustard, something had to be done. There's nothing better than not being able to buy your way into a place. You got to earn your way. This is what you, you want to be taught. That's the greatest value you can instill in your own kids. Bust your ass and do it the right way. That's the greatest feeling in the world. And I don't even want to get into all this other shit that I'm seeing this week about the educational system in New York City with teachers jacking up grades of students. You've seen that the last couple of days in the New York Post. I'm just interested in not screwing up. Let the Blasio, you go fix your mess. But don't don't make, because that is a mess, you dope. The New York City high schools, the elite high schools are not a mess. Deal with your mess. And it is a mess. But don't screw this up. There's too much prestige, there's too much pride, and the bottom line is, it's an equal opportunity operation. You bust your ass and you're in, you don't, and you don't get in. It's as simple as that. It's the reward you get for hard work. And if you're failing the kids in middle school that you want to get in, the black and Hispanic kids, shame on you. You're the one not doing the right thing by those kids. Don't blame it on somebody else. Because that's just a bullshit excuse. All right. Certainly bad news the past week with um, double suicides. Kate uh, Spade and Anthony Bourdain. No question about it. And... You know, you read stuff like that, it breaks your heart. Just just breaks your heart. Now, uh, I'm very good friends. He's a buddy of mine, Dennis Hamill. The great columnist Dennis Hamill, who for years, quarter of a century, wrote for the Daily News. And he, he currently writes for uh, a paper out in the Hamptons. And I have to tell you, Maybe the reason we're good friends is because we th- think alike. But last night, I happened to see an article that he wrote in his column, Sand in My Shoes, because it's you know out in the Hamptons. And he talks about Spade and uh, Bourdain, who, who, you know, both of them, you know, spent time, at, you know, lots of time out in the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. They took their lives. Terrible story. You know, both terrible stories. But, and we didn't, we never spoke about it, but as I was reading what he said, we felt the same way. As terrible as those stories are. And, and I, listen, you never know the demons and the darkness that goes on inside one's head. You never, ever know. Okay? You don't know what their problems are. 
And, you know, I, ho- I hear people say, because a lot of people say suicide is a selfish act and people argue that it's not. Well, in a lot of ways, it is. In my opinion, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a shrink. Okay. But Dennis brought up in his column that Spade left a 13-year-old daughter and Bourdain left an 11-year-old daughter. Look what was left for them. Look what was left for them. That's why I call it the act of suicide in these cases. Again, I don't know the demons that they had. And my heart breaks. Listen, I know people. I've had friends who did the unthinkable. But uh, there are two girls out there, 13 and 11. They got to live with that for the rest of their lives. They got to live with that for the rest of their lives. I mean, Kate Spade left a note. It's not your fault. Ask your dad. Kate, let Kate rest in peace. Ask your dad. What kind of headache and neurosis did she just leave her daughter? It's a terrible, terrible, terrible situation. You know, it, it it's tough. It's tough as a kid to lose a parent. I was 17 when I lost mine. My father's heart gave way. Um, actually, I was talking about Brooklyn Tech. The last day, last day I saw my father was the day I graduated Brooklyn Tech. He was in Beekman Downtown Hospital. And after I graduated, I went away to work that summer. He subsequently died three weeks before I was leaving for college. So he was able to see me graduate from Brooklyn Tech. But, you know, you, you lose a parent under any circumstance as a kid. It's tough. But you're talking about 11 and 11 and a 13-year-old girl. Let me explain something to you, folks. Maybe some of you might think I'm being cold-hearted here. I'm not. And and I would implore anybody, if you have a friend or you have somebody in your family, you got to talk to them. And if you don't know how to talk to them, you got to call the suicide hotlines, get help. Know how to talk to them or get them help. Being quiet about it is no good. But here's why I call these acts, these suicide acts, selfish. Once you have children, once you have children, the stakes change. The priorities change. You brought them into this world. You helped bring them into this world. That's your priority. You know how I learned that from my old man, let him rest in peace. I'll tell you a quick story. I get, I get, I was in the eighth grade. It was before I found out that I was accepted to Brooklyn Tech. 
He had his first bad heart attack. Really bad. And at that time, they were all bad. Nobody, None of us knew about um, cholesterol and all that crap. And he's in a hospital. I had to go to school all that week. And I was going to see him uh, on the weekend. And, you know, at that time, it wasn't like today. Today, you can be in a hospital for a couple of days, whether it's a heart attack or something, and or you, you get bypasses or this and that. They do what they do, and you, you're home and recuperating. Then you're flat on your back in a hospital for weeks. It could be months at a time. And he was in an oxygen tent. And I'm telling a story for a reason, because this is when I talk about priority, and this is what taught me about what being a father, when the time comes for me, what it means is your responsibility to your kids. I go into the hospital. He's in an oxygen tent. And believe me, my father, I don't remember when he's, like I said before, when he didn't have two and three jobs. Never made more. He worked for the New York City Transit Authority. Never made more than $165 a week, ever. And I don't care if you're crossing the country in covered wagons in a civil war, $165 a week was never a lot of money. Anyway, I go in, and I'm, how old am I, 13 years old? And he motions over to the table at the side of the bed. Motions me to open up the drawer. I open up the drawer. There was... $289.75. $289.75 in silver, in ones, fives, tens, and twenties. Some of them were crumpled up. Why am I telling you this story? Because here he is. My old man has a heart attack flat on his back, and it was a bad one. He's in a hospital at that point in rough shape for like four or five days. He must have borrowed money from anybody who walked into his room to make sure. And and the only thing he told me, don't tell your mother. This is for you. I don't know how long I'm going to be in here. That is what responsibility is. And whatever Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, uh, you know, were going through, they had a responsibility to their kids. They might have left them off very well financially, but what did they do to them emotionally? That stuff counts. Okay? That stuff counts. So, again, uh I I don't mean to be cold and callous, but I'm sorry. I got two daughters. Thank God, two married daughters, married two terrific guys, and I got three wonderful little grandsons. Those those girls are going to grow up knowing that one mommy and one daddy aren't ever going to see them walk down an aisle. Ever going to see potential graduations? All those girls are going to go. One's going to go without her mommy, and the other one's going to go without her daddy. So don't tell me that suicide is not a selfish act. Certainly not to a point. I know there are all other issues, 
And like I say, you never know what somebody, what kind of demons are going on in the back of somebody's mind. But having said that, you still have to take care of business. And when you become a a parent, when you bring somebody into the world, it is your responsibility. And nobody was thinking of that responsibility when they took their lives. So I'll concur what my buddy Dennis Hamill said in his tremendous column. It's as good to me. I told him it's as good a piece of work as anything I've ever read that that he had written. You see somebody suffering, go talk to them, go get them help, call hotlines, whatever. But mum can't be the word. Being quiet. It's just a waste of time. Silence when it comes to people suffering. Silence is not golden. Suffering in silence is no good. And just look at the Bourdain and Spade families and you'll find your answer and the the damage that it caused and that it's left. All right. Let's, uh, before we wrap things up here, I want to change gears a little bit. A few sport notes. Big week. Big week. We got uh, World Cup soccer, and you got U.S. Open golf. I, full disclosure, I'm not a soccer fan. Crash here, Mike <laughs> Caragliano is laughing because he knows I'm not a soccer fan. I, I, I'm not. I, I understand worldwide it's tremendous. Uh, I'm just not a big soccer fan. And, but my interest will be less this year for a particular reason. The USA is not in it. And because not only is the USA not in it, you got places like Italy is not in it. Ireland's not in it. So I'm curious to see how the TV ratings are going to be, especially locally here. Not just locally, nationally. How the TV ratings are going to be for the World Cup without, in particular, the USA in it. Because I I think their absence is going to do big damage to the TV ratings. You know, a a few years back, remember how, how everybody was excited over the Women's World Cup? Why were they so excited here locally? Because the USA women won. They had a tremendous parade and a well-deserved parade it was. But the USA was in it. You know, we all like our, our team to do well. So it's going to be interesting for me to see how it's done, how the ratings do. Because I, I, I hope they do well. I, I really, really do. I just wonder, you know, what kind of effect that's going to have. Then again, maybe I should watch more World Cup. Kind of beats watching the Mets offense, no? (laughs) I mean, uh, Crash, my producer, just gagged when I said the Mets offense. That's a joke. That's a misnomer right there. But uh, anyway, that's that's my uh, thoughts on the World Cup. Now, as far as the U.S. Open goes, 
I don't know who's going to win it. I kind of like Jason Day. I always give him a shot. Dustin Johnson, you know, Spieth. But make no mistake about it. Tiger Woods being back, playing competitive golf. You don't have to be a Tiger fan. But you have to admit, Tiger's presence on the golf scene makes the world a difference. You want to talk about ratings? Tiger is a ratings machine. You want to talk about interest? Tiger brings interest. You Again, you don't have to be a Tiger fan, but Tiger's presence, and he's playing good golf. Now, I'm not saying Tiger's winning it. I'd, I'd love to see him win it. Uh, but Tiger is playing competitive golf. And as long as Tiger plays competitive golf, I mean, let me let me just say this. If he makes the cut, if he's there after, you know, Friday, going into Saturday, the final two days, believe me, there's going to be a lot more eyes than there'd be otherwise. Because that's what Tiger Woods does. So you get two sports, U.S. Open and golf and the World Cup. It's going to be real interesting to see how the ratings go for both of those uh, tournaments. And having said that, I'm going to wrap things up here. Once again, I thank you all for getting a load of this. Now I like to, you know, if you'd be so kind, allow me to get a load of you. You know, tell me what you think at Twitter, at Russ Salzberg, or on Facebook. Let me know your thoughts. Whether you like it or not, that's fine. Just let me know. Uh, As always, I want to thank my outstanding producer here, Mike Corregliano, better known as Crash, my uh, fine um, program director here at uh, 77 WABC, Craig Schwab. And as always, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I thank you, the fans, because without you guys and you gals, I'd have nobody here to talk to. So until next time, it is yours truly, Russ Salzberg, saying bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.